0: Hi everyone! Welcome to Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Bryn. Also very congested still because allergies. Amazing! It's that time of year, but as I said in other episodes, I'm not complaining because with allergy season comes warm weather. So before I get into any coffee review or recommendations today, I would like to make an announcement to all of my listeners for those of you who follow my personal page you may have seen already but i am pregnant so just like kelsey i am going to be expecting a little one and we get to experience this together which is really cool there have been questions from those who have already seen and those who listen about if i'm going to continue the podcast and the plan is to continue the podcast As I've mentioned, as long as I have people listening, I will do my best to get episodes out each week. If there are weeks where I can't for some reason get an episode out, bear with me. I will always put something out, even if it's a repeated episode. I know I've only done that once before for you all where it was the week of my wedding and I did not have time to record, so I put a way back when episode out as a little bit of a refresher for you I will try not to have to do that and so far with the fatigue I've been powering my way through it but obviously there might be unknown circumstances one week or whatever where I might need to do that so just a heads up and fittingly my baby is due hopefully on Halloween He or she is due the very end of October, so put those manifestations out there for me to have a Halloween baby, because that would be absolutely amazing. As long as everything goes smoothly and everyone's healthy, though, I will obviously be happy with anything. So, aside from that news, getting into recommendations for this week, I first want to give a big shout out to Katie. She reached out to me through email and gave me this incredible list of show recommendations, book recommendations, poetry recommendations, and I cannot wait to read and watch all of those and be able to then let you guys know what I think about them or recommend them to you. But I'm not going to do that until I delve into those recommendations. But I just wanted to acknowledge Katie for taking the time to send stuff my way. I, on my end, am still watching Blacklist. And I really have nothing else to recommend aside from that. Because I've been sucked into that little universe now. And I haven't been reading anything yet. And I did not yet complete the Love is Blind reunion episode. So I can't really tell my final thoughts about that. But I did see the final marriage episodes. So I know who got married and who didn't. And yeah, recommending that again to anyone who needs a good, bad reality TV show. And that's all I have for you recommendation-wise. On to the coffee recommendation. Today I am reviewing a coffee from Clovebrook Market. I know I have reviewed a coffee from them in the past and I happened to pass by there again today So I stopped in for a coffee because I saw that they had iced coffee as well So I popped in for an iced coffee and damn it was good I don't know what roaster they use or what brand of coffee they use So I'll have to ask them next time I'm in there, but although it was an unflavored coffee It was so delicious and refreshing and that says a lot for me because usually I like some kind of flavoring to my coffee although not too sweet as we know so this was a just regular blend of coffee and I just had them add a little bit of half and half because they did not have almond milk or oat milk there but I had them add a little bit of half and half and one Splenda and it is probably one of the best plain coffees I've had in a while where I chugged down the whole thing and it was so perfectly creamy and flavorful and not bitter and it was just absolutely delicious and I would probably rate it an eight because although there was no flavoring to it like I said it was damn good So make sure you stop at Clovebrook Market if you're ever in that area of New Jersey, and you can check them out at Clovebrook Market on Instagram. Now let's get into today's episode. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. Today's episode is about the case of Mia Marcano. Mia was born April 26, 2002, and she was 19 years old at the time of this story. Her dad lived in South Florida, and her mom lived in St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands, so she frequently went back and forth between the two. She also had a brother, and in 2020, she graduated from Charles W. Flanagan High School in Pembroke Pines in South Florida. She then moved to Orlando, Florida, and became a college student at Valencia College. She had actually transferred here during her sophomore year, From UCF, which is the University of Central Florida. During this time that Mia was at Valencia College, she was living in an apartment at the Arden Villas Luxury Apartments near the University of Central Florida campus. She also worked at the leasing office for this apartment complex. She was described as a quote unquote vibrant butterfly, which is so beautiful, and I've never heard of someone being described that way. And that just warmed my heart when I read it. She was also described as being ambitious. Her favorite color was blue. And her uncle described Mia's personality saying, quote, She had a laugh that would make you laugh, and she always had a nickname for everyone, myself included. And that was a quote from the New York Post. Some of Mia's favorite singers were Nigerian singer Lyrical and Caribbean singer Skinny Fabulous. Her cousin said she had a magnetic energy that pulled people in. Mia was always there to offer a helping hand to others, and she was extremely close to her family. That much was stressed through everything I went through. Every article I read, any video I watched, was how close she was with her family. So on to Friday, September 24th, 2021. Around 5 p.m., Mia clocked out of work at the Arden Villa's luxury apartments and disappeared. This is what was initially known about the timeline of that day leading up to her disappearance. At 2.14 p.m. that day, the deadbolt of Mia's apartment was opened. This occurred using an on-call maintenance key fob. The man who had this fob was an Arden Villa's maintenance worker named Armando Manuel Caballero. 3 o'clock p.m., this was the last time Caballero said he saw Mia. Investigators spoke to him after her disappearance, in which he stated this. He was not considered a person of interest during this questioning. 4.30 p.m., Mia's apartment was again opened, this time by a maintenance master key fob. Caballero had access to this master key fob. 5 o'clock p.m., we're back to Mia leaving her shift. And at 5.06 p.m., she used her key fob to enter her apartment. So just a heads up, today's episode really has a pretty established timeline to it. So I'm going to be going through the timeline as we know it in different pieces So following Mia's disappearance, by 9.32 p.m., Mia's mom had called the Orange County Sheriff's Office. She became concerned when she couldn't get a hold of Mia. 9.42 p.m., a deputy was dispatched to Arden Villas, which was the apartment complex, to check on Mia. By 10.02 p.m., the deputy arrived, and the deputy waited for Mia's roommate to get to the apartment, and the roommate gave him access. A quick side note regarding her roommate, apparently Mia had texted this roommate around 5 p.m. and said she was heading to the airport for her flight. According to Fox 35 Orlando, quote: When they went inside her apartment, the lawyer said the following was discovered. Mia's door had a mini bookshelf that prevented access from the front of her bedroom door. So due to this, I had actually read that the deputy couldn't go into her room and had to look through a window. So I'm going to continue the quote with what else they noticed. Entry into Mia's room had to be done via her back window. And the deputy noticed the window had been tampered with and a lock had been broken was mentioned in another article. The deputy reportedly found immediate signs of a struggle, quote-unquote, but did not consider it to be a crime scene. So a video I had watched also revealed that there was blood on her pillow. I'm not sure whether this was considered the signs of a struggle or if there was more aside from that, but I would definitely say blood on a pillow is reason for concern. And if for some reason that wasn't enough reason for concern, what happened next definitely was. 10.30pm, Mia missed a flight that she was supposed to be on. She was supposed to be traveling to Fort Lauderdale to visit family. And that night, because they were so concerned, Mia's family drove from their home to Orlando. They too entered the apartment when they arrived. And at some point, they got into her room. It wasn't really mentioned in articles how, but in her room, a box cutter that didn't belong to Mia was found under a rug. Saturday, September 25th, 2021, 1.36 a.m., Orange County Sheriff's Office entered Mia into the system as a missing person. 3.45 a.m., Mia's family confronted Caballero demanding to know if he had involvement with Mia's disappearance or if he knew her whereabouts. He insisted he had nothing to do with it, and this was all recorded on a cell phone by a family member, which you can actually access and see online. I believe the video is in multiple resources that I included. 8.47 a.m., someone from Mia's family called the police and said that Caballero was seen with a backpack, pink blanket, and glove. Castleberry Police Department went to Caballero's apartment. And at 9.52 a.m., Caballero gave Mia's family permission to go through his apartment with Castleberry officers present. 3 o'clock p.m., Caballero left his apartment. So, I guess whatever search happened was definitely done by then. By 4.30 p.m., Caballero was now considered a suspect in Mia's disappearance, which kind of sucks because whatever had happened to now make them consider him a suspect, this was an hour and a half after he already left his apartment, so he wasn't really in their visual sights anymore. By 5.44 p.m., a search warrant was submitted by the Orange County Sheriff's Office and the apartment was secured. Then, by 5.53 p.m., a missing persons bulletin was released for Mia Marcano. 9.35 p.m., a text message was sent from Caballero's phone, although there was no specification on what the text actually said. I looked in multiple articles, and each article I found, it just said a text message was sent. So I don't know to who, I don't know what the context was, anything like that. On to the next day, September 26th, 2021, around 1.30 a.m., detectives searched Caballero's apartment, so they clearly obtained that search warrant and were approved. By 4 o'clock p.m., helicopters searched a wooded area behind Arden Villas. September 27th, 10.23 a.m., Caballero was found By Seminole County deputies at Sable Park Apartment Complex, a.k.a. the Sable Club Apartments, a warrant had been secured for his arrest for a burglary charge since the maintenance master fob had been used to get into Mia's apartment. So that's kind of what they were getting him on for now to hold him. However, when Caballero was found, he was deceased in a maintenance garage due to suicide. 3 o'clock p.m., Sheriff John Mina announced that Caballero had been found dead. Caballero's car was also taken in to be searched. Meanwhile, investigators were still searching for Mia. September 28th, 10 o'clock a.m., family and friends continued searching for Mia. They searched around Sable Park apartment complex where Caballero had been found as well as Colonial Landing and Blanchard Park. 1 o'clock p.m., the Orange County Sheriff's deputies searched around Sable Club, including a wooded area and walking trail near the complex. At 7 p.m. that night, a vigil for Mia took place at Arden Villas. The following day, September 29th, more searches continued for Mia. This included, quote, wooded areas and around rivers and lakes near the Arden Villas apartments and within a 30-mile radius. And that was a quote from ClickOrlando.com. And another vigil was also held. September 30th, searches continued more. Residents of Arden Villas were notified that officers were to enter all garages and storage units. 9.34 a.m., An independent search unit named Marco Patriots also went to search at Arden Villas. They brought a search and rescue dog with them, and they were not affiliated with the police department. 2 o'clock p.m., Sheriff John Mina provided another public update. This included info that 60 detectives were working on finding Mia, and that the FBI was also providing technology resources to help. The search radius was also expanded, and this included New Smyrna Beach. October 1st, search efforts continued, and by 4 o'clock p.m., CrimeLine put a reward of up to $15,000 to find Mia. October 2nd, 1.20 p.m., Sheriff John Mina made another announcement. A body had been found near timber-scan condominiums, in a wooded area. This was approximately 18 miles from Mia's apartment. It was believed to be Mia Marcano. October 5th, the body was positively identified by a medical examiner as Mia Marcano. Mia had been found with black duct tape covering her mouth and around her neck. Her feet and wrists had also been bound by tape, and her wrists had been behind her back. It's just absolutely horrible. So what had happened to Mia? Here is the timeline gathered since by investigators and what they believed happened to her on the evening of September 24th, 2021. As mentioned, Caballero had been a maintenance worker at Arden Villas where Mia worked and lived. He had been working there since June. Apparently, he had displayed an interest in Mia romantically in which she did not show interest back. She was 19 and he was 27. She had made it clear that she was not interested, rejecting him several times, and there were even what were described as quote-unquote obsessive texts sent to Mia and unwanted gifts as well. Like I had said earlier, a master key fob was used to gain access to Mia's apartment at 4.30 p.m., which was 30 minutes before she ended her shift. It is believed that Caballero had laid in waiting in Mia's apartment and ambushed her when she came in after work. Investigators think that he then put her through the window to get her into his car. 5.52 p.m., Caballero's car left the apartment complex. one p.m., he then made a fake maintenance call and returned to the apartment complex. 7.11 p.m., he then called the office of the apartment complex and asked to be let in the gate. This was thought to be done to establish an alibi. 7.16pm, Mia's key fob was swiped on the exterior lock of her apartment, but according to reports, no one actually went in. So, I'm thinking it showed when the door clicked open and closed, and the card was swiped, but I'm assuming the door just never was opened after that. And that's probably how they figured out that no one went in. 7:38 7:38 p.m. Caballero left Arden Villas. 8:20 to 8:40 p.m. It was discovered that Caballero's phone was in the vicinity of TimberScan apartment, where Mia was found. Therefore, detectives believe this is the time frame in which he left Mia there. So there was really no clear statement on whether they thought Mia was still alive when he took her. Out the window of the apartment and brought her to this location, or if they believe she was killed in the apartment and then taken to the location. I just wanted to make that clear. According to an autopsy report, Mia had died of quote-unquote homicide by undetermined means. Due to the manner of how she was found, assault was also believed to have occurred. Exact causes couldn't be determined as she was, quote, nearly completely skeletonized by the time she had been found. So utterly heartbreaking. Honestly, it's just a complete sin. It's so awful. In the aftermath of Mia's death, her family expressed concern with the handling of her case. They felt that certain aspects of the investigation weren't done quickly or thoroughly enough. They were also upset that the incident report lacked information and had been heavily redacted. While Sheriff John Mina had stated that there hadn't been enough evidence to detain or arrest Caballero earlier on, Mia's family argued that he should have been detained in the hours after her disappearance, especially since, they said, a blanket from her apartment and her key fob had eventually been seen in his possession. Without getting too much into it, according to an article from September 2023, Mia's family is also suing the apartment complex where she lived for negligence. Aside from the fact that maintenance workers obviously could have access to any apartment in the complex with a key fob, it was revealed by residents that the main gate of the complex wasn't always closed. So during those times where the gates were open, this would allow anyone access to the apartment complex during those times when clearly gates were put there to secure the apartment complex. So why they were open a lot of the time doesn't really make sense. As of December 2022, the lawsuit is ongoing. Although this is a really sad case and an obviously devastating situation, we do have a little bit of something happy in regards to Mia's story. Since Mia's passing, a foundation has been created in her name called the Mia Marcano Foundation, and their website is miamarcanofdn.com. I'll link this in the show notes for everyone. Here is a mission statement from their site. Quote, the Mia Marcano Foundation has a mission to support, educate, and provide resources to families of missing persons while advocating for the protection of students and our most vulnerable population. June 27, 2022, Florida governor signed a bill known as Mia's Law. And this is a whole quote in regards to this law from the Mia Marcano Foundation website. Quote, Mia's law is proposed bipartisan legislation in the state of Florida that endeavors to ensure an elevated expectancy of residential security and personal safety on residential properties in the state of Florida. In this light, stricter governance, such as the implementation of higher levels of background checks and limitations on the use of master keys will ensure the protection of all tenants and aid in strengthening the relationships between landlords and tenants. The enforcement of Mia's law will increase the safety and protection of our most vulnerable population, including students, children, single mothers, senior citizens, tenant victims, and over 2.8 million Florida residents residing in single, or multi-unit residential properties. Residential security and personal safety are undoubtedly among the very first lines of defense in the protection of tenants residing in residential communities, and a solid baseline must be established and upheld to safeguard tenants. Safety and security are fundamental human rights, rights to life, and should be regarded as such. Amen to that. Hopefully, due to this law, safety precautions and procedures will be put into place where what happened to Mia won't happen to someone else, at least in the state of Florida, and hopefully that will expand outward to everywhere else that it isn't already established. There are so many ways to support Mia's law, including contact info, a petition, or donating to the foundation itself. And I'll be linking a separate link for that, again, through the foundation site, but this link will take you directly to all of that information. So this is the end of today's episode. Sadly, I wish there was a different outcome for Mia and her family and what became of this tragic case. Just another episode about a life that was so tragically taken that shouldn't have been in the hands of someone else and I feel so sorry as always for her and her family but I am so amazed by the things that they are doing in order to bring some light through Mia's death and justice from what they can get into the situation and in order for them to take some power back from something that left them utterly powerless. And I think it's just incredible when families that go through such a devastating and horrific and unimaginable situation like this, when they turn and make something of it and make it so their loved one not only lives on through these laws that they're passing and these foundations that they're creating but that their legacy is helping others and hopefully making it so this doesn't happen to someone else and that's just a beautiful thing that these families are doing and it makes me tear up just thinking about it it's just absolutely beautiful in such a not beautiful situation and I'm just absolutely amazed that they not only have the strength to do that, but the power behind them to push forward and to make these changes and to hopefully prevent other situations from happening or provide help for families when situations do happen. So again, as always, listeners, please support these families in any way possible. It takes a minute, a second to sign a petition and If you can, if you're able to make a donation to a foundation such as this one or to a GoFundMe listed in episodes or anything like that, I mean, everyone who donated towards Drew Molinari's billboard on this podcast, everything like that, I feel like it's so important and it's where differences are made and changes are made or laws are passed. Every person counts and this is where, especially when you feel like you don't know what to do to help, or you want to do something, but you don't know the family directly, or you don't know where to begin. Stuff like this is where you can begin and where you can make a difference and where it really matters to these situations and to these families and to making change so this doesn't happen again. So without further ado, I'm going to get into the spiel so I stop my little ramble because as I tend to do, I get very passionate about these cases and especially when there's calls to action behind them. So into the spiel we go. You can find Crime Colts and Coffee on Instagram, where I post pictures of coffee reviewed. We have the highlights tab where I post not only the coffee reviewed from every week, but the episode that comes out every week. So if you want to look back into the past, it's always there for you. The link tree is in the bio. This has most of the listening platforms that Crime Colts and Coffee podcast is on. And anytime there's some kind of GoFundMe that we're doing directly, or important information would always be linked in there. Facebook, you can follow us at Crime Cults and Coffee. That's where I put resources, photos, links, any calls to action. You can also check out the show notes for the episode you're listening to for any calls to action. They will always be there. Important websites will always be in the show notes. So all you need to do is click the episode, give it a little scrolly down. Where the description is, a little bit lower will be those calls to action or those petitions, anything like that if you have a listener story or a case suggestion, you know what to do. You can email me at crimecultsandcoffee at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at coffee. You can also send show recommendations, book recommendations, podcast recommendations to me that way as well, which again, thank you Katie for doing so. And loving the case suggestions, always getting them. Again, listener stories, where the fuck are ya? And if you like this podcast, want some free stickies, want to make me happy and really, 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 really love you, (laughs) you can leave a rate and review on any listening platform that allows you to do so, such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you choose not to do so, that's okay. As long as you still listen each week, I will love you. And if you want to, but your listening platform won't allow you to do so, that's okay too. I completely understand. Anywhere you listen, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe, and that will let you know when new episodes come out each week. And until next week, if you can, check out that foundation page for Mia. Even if you're not going to donate to the foundation, it's just good to see the resources on there. You can contribute more towards her law. You can check out the law in specific. Just give it a little look-see. And aside from that, maybe you want to go and binge some bad reality TV. I'll be right there with you. Until next week. Bye.